Welcome to the Stray Dog Film Lounge, where three stray dogs have bonded over our love of movies. I'm Colin. My name's Ross. And I'm Ian. Today, we'll be talking about M. Night Shyamalan's A Knock at the Cabin. I don't think it's A Knock. I think it's just... Right, you can cut the A out. I think it's just Knock at the Cabin. <laughs> I really think they should have gone with the title of the book, which is Cabin at the End of the World. Oh, yeah, that's, that's nice. That's nice. Title. That's a way better title, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's, it, Comparative. it's not as titillating. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I feel like M. Night Shyamalan really wants to grab you by your throat with this movies. You know? Yeah, Cabin at the End of the World is so much... That grabs you by the throat more, yeah. No, 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 no. The, the cabin at the end of the woods is is a little, <laughs> it's a little ethereal. You know what I mean? Like it's a little mystical. It's like, oh, what's going on at the end? But of it's the distinct. Wood? You but know? knock at the cabin, it's in your face. Okay, so Ross, what is Knock at the Cabin? Uh, knock at the Cabin is the newest film from uh, M Night Shyamalan, uh, and it's about. A, uh, a gay couple with uh, an adopted uh, Chinese daughter that are vacationing in a cabin. But then uh, suddenly there's a knock at the cabin uh, at the very beginning of the movie. And it's Dave Bautista, uh, Ron Weasley, and two other ladies. And uh, they're cultists. And they want them to uh, willingly sacrifice one of the three of them in the family uh, to stop the apocalypse from happening. Are they crazy? Is the apocalypse really happening? You gotta watch the movie to find out. Are they cultists, <laughs> though? Do you think they're in a cult? Uh, I mean, yeah, technically. Hmm. Yeah, but I'd say so. Do you want to just give a quick... Spo- do you want to just give a spoiler warning right off the I, bat? Yeah, I, th- I think we need to deliver a spoiler warning. But before we be- deliver that spoiler warning, if you haven't seen this movie yet... I think it's an incredible return to form for M. Night Shyamalan. I think it's a very sincerely told story. Yeah. I'm really excited. I feel like a lot of filmmakers from the late 90s and the early 2000s are returning to Hollywood. And they're saying, we're tired of your creepiness. We're mm. tired of all this meta humor. We just want to tell us true, genuine stories. And that's what they're doing. And also, like M. Night is such a visual director. And I feel like... Because he was kind of pigeonholed as the twist guy, as the what a twist guy. What a twist. Uh, with, that, with that racist stereotype from Robot Chicken that oh, isn't God. even his accent. I know. He's just, he's just a guy from Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the... Uh, Wait, I'm not, what, what's this Robot Chicken thing you guys are referring to? Robot Chicken did a parody of M. Night Shyamalan because the cliche at the time was like he made twists at the end of his movies or middle of his movies like all the fucking time yeah so the whole thing was it would be some silly simple situation and then he shows up and says what a twist i think because m night got like pigeon held as the what a twist guy people kind of didn't really think about how he's such a good visual storyteller yeah and he's like, he really tells his stories with the composition. Oh, yeah. Uh, and yeah, he just knows how to use a frame, baby. Anyway, I, I was curious, Colin, what's your background with, with M. Night Shyamalan personally? Truth be told, I have only seen one other Shyamalan movie. What was Which it? Which one? I saw Unbreakable. Oh, that's the best one. When I was about 16, and it was fantastic. It, it is a great, it's a great movie. Great fucking movie. You know what I mean? Like, I. I I truly felt like that movie is probably my favorite deconstruction of the superhero mm. genre. 
Like that's that's the that's and, the smartest superhero movie in my book. And also, it's kind of before the superhero genre took off. Exactly. Like it's from this neat era where being into comic books was niche What's and nerdy. Cool. You know what I mean? What year like, did that like, come out? It, it was underground. It was underground. You know what I mean? It's it, it not 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 every guy on Instagram like was talking about who their favorite Avengers was or something like that. It was like you're you're the guy who who goes to the comic book shop who that's like thirty minutes away from you. You leaf through all the comics. You find issues from particular writers that you like. And it's it, 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 it was wonderful. You know what I mean? I I, I, yeah. I miss that era to a certain degree. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, along the lines of Unbreakable, I think it's a great fucking movie. But I've been told, I remember in the 2010s, it was very unpopular to like Shyamalan. Yeah, it was a weird time. Because, like, The Last Airbender came out in 2010. And... Financial critical flop. I didn't see that in the theater. I saw it on TV. I thought it was mm-hmm. garbage. Mm-hmm. But I had seen... I think I would seen like all of Shyamalan's films up to that point. Yeah. Um, just because they were on TV and seeing them. I mean, I would say the first one I saw was The Sixth Sense. Um, I've told that was, one's fantastic. It's fucking terrifying. It's I think that's great. actually on the AFI's top 100 movies. Oh, wow. If I'm not mistaken. I, Oh, nice. Good for him. Yeah. And then, like, the whole... Um, the one that I didn't like that was in the 2000s was Signs. I kind of thought it was a little silly. I won't spoil the twist, but it's um, it's a movie that is kind of polarizing, at least to me. Yeah. And Unbreakable's mm-hmm. great. No, uh, no qualms with that. Um, I would definitely say if you really enjoyed unbreakable then you gotta see split and then there's an end to that trilogy as well right glass which is not good Ah. glass is not good really Uh, yeah glass is glass is bad well no it's like the m night Shyamalan story is like interesting to me Mm. you know much like colin i wasn't really into him because i grew up being told that like oh he's he makes bad movies (laughs) he fell off yada yada but you know, I, 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 you know, I saw Unbreakable. I think I think that was my first Shyamalan. Then I saw Split. I was like, okay, these these rule. <laughs> you know what I just remembered? What? Um, the Happening. He did that movie. Uh, yeah, the happen. The Happening's funny. Yeah, that's I a very that, funny movie. Uh, what? Yeah. No. Was it intensely funny? Or was no. it? No, it's just bad. It's just a bad movie. It's like no, no, no. It's like a, it's like an unintentionally funny movie. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a fun, fun. It's a fun bad movie. It, it, um, it's definitely fun, yeah. But yeah, no, I think like you know, like I, you know, I started, you know, I, I got into him in his comeback era, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you know, I saw old in the theater. I have a poster of old in my bedroom. I really want to see that. That um, looks really like a lot of people are like, oh, old is fun. A lot of people are like, oh man, it's so artificial like the it's not really okay. saying anything like yeah. I, I don't know it, it, it looks really well it's crafted fun. It, it's about a beach that makes you old it's great yeah <laughs> I, I, it's got Garrett Garcia Bernal in it I love that actor. yeah old was okay for me I love the visuals in it though I thought visually it was spectacular but definitely not one of my faves from him um you know what was surprisingly fun was the visit I haven't seen the visit. It, it was pretty fun. It, it was uh, that 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 movie's like that's his comeback. Movie. Yeah, that's like, the that's comeback his... movie. I saw that in the theater. Yeah, ever since he fell off, like every movie 
the visit onward of his have been self-financed. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Good for him, man. Yeah, right? Yeah. That's yeah. fucking dope. You know, like... That's pretty crazy. I, I feel like Michael Bay and M. Night Shyamalan are in a very similar group. Because, of course, Michael Bay hasn't financed one of his own movies in a very long time. But what I'm saying mm-hmm. is that during the 2010s, if you said with your chest, unironically, I think Michael Bay's an awesome filmmaker, people at the lunch table at high school would laugh at you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, of course. But, but now we're at a point with blockbuster filmmaking where everything is so bland Yeah, that we kind of need these like big, bombastic I storytellers. Have... Oh, yeah. And like, Shyamalan's not exactly like big and bombastic, but he's very visual. No. Exactly. And he really mm-hmm. cares about uh, just the how the medium of cinema works. Yes. My, my main thesis with Knock at the Cabin is that I believe that spearheaded by Big Jim himself, there are all these directors from the 90s and the early 2000s who are making big comebacks. Avatar The Way of Water, Ambulance, uh, Knock at the Cabin, Michael Bay, Shyamalan, and Big James Cameron. They're bringing back genuine, sincere storytelling to Hollywood. Well, they're not waking at the audience where they're not trying to comment on, on genre tropes. They're just trying to tell these stories that they're passionate about and are doing it with the highest level of artistry that they can muster. And that makes me very happy. And I'm so excited that Shyamalan is jumping on with this. Like, I feel, I, I feel like in, in, in 15 years from now, like we're going to have a tone for these guys. Not like reinventors. But like, like, uh, resurrection revivalists, like, like, mm. like Hollywood revivalists, Shyamalan, Bay, and Cameron. Hmm. I disagree with your hypothesis partially, hmm. for a couple reasons. Uh, one, uh, M Night made his comeback well before um, Ambulance, a- Ambulance, and Way of Water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And two, M Night does like to do some genre deconstructing like if you see glass it's all over glass it's like you can't walk anywhere without stepping in that broken glass of of superhero genre deconstructionism well but but it's superhero (laughs) deconstructionism along the line that unbreakable is you know what I mean? It's genuine storytelling which is still uh, a deconstruction no unbreakable is way better but, 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 anyway. but there's no wink winks to the audience there's no lines like he's right behind me isn't he that like no character say this is the type of thing that'll happen in a movie like there's, there's nothing like that in, in glass well, right? yeah they don't do that yeah. but they, they, there are there are straight up moments where characters where there's a conflict happening and it's resolved by characters saying well in comics traditionally the hero and the villain uh, discover that they have similarities in their past or whatever, and then yeah, I'm not crazy about like, that. I don't like that that much. Yeah, so yeah. it's uh, it's pretty, it's pretty silly. But anyway, let's talk about Knock at the Cabin, an actually good M Night movie, because this one is this one rules. Um, this movie's I like awesome. this a lot. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> okay, elaborate, elaborate. Yeah, I mean. There were parts of it that I really liked, but I think for me, it it felt like a really silly movie, um, just from how the camera was placed, 
the acting, like especially with Dave Bautista, he's always super close. He's always like super no, I love tight. That shit, though and, that was pure cinema, baby. That was, that was like it was so goofy. It was, and it wasn't just like in those like like those close ups in that opening scene between Wen and Leonard, where it's like these like really close up intimate um, close ups, but they're at like Dutch angles. That was like really. I thought that was like a really bold way to cover a scene at the beginning of your movie. Oh yeah. Well, it's just I don't know. There was just something about it where I just felt like it was it was predictable at least for me. Um, it felt it didn't feel like it was you know stuck in the tropes or a genre. I still think like it's an okay movie that has a lot of great acting in it, and I think if it had a less predictable aspect to it then it probably would have been a lot better i mean i think the only thing that's predictable about it spoilers is because it's an american movie you know the kid's not gonna die well that wasn't the problem for me because kid movies don't got the balls to kill off kids kids don't Uh, die that's that's a thing also leonard isn't gonna let that kid get hurt yeah no no I yeah. like how they have like that friendship in the beginning. But what's what's interesting is the the ending of the book is different, and that's what mm. a lot of people are have been arguing about online. What's the ending of the book? So from what I've read on Wikipedia, the ending of the book is basically, uh, you know, conflict arises like in the movie. There's you know guns get involved, and then uh, Wen gets uh, killed by accident in crossfire, mm. and she dies right, and Leonard's like. The apocalypse is still coming because she wasn't a willing sacrifice, right? Like they didn't choose her for the sacrifice. She just died by accident in, in a, from a gunshot, right? right. Wow. And so the world still ends, and uh, Eric and Andrew are left to wander the the world uh, alone. Jesus, dog. And and therefore it's like left ambiguous. Like the world still ended. So like would would it? Would it have stopped if we did a sacrifice, or would it have not? You know, in the movie version, it's uh, Eric, the one with the concussion, who suddenly feels very spiritual, uh, decides that he should be. Yeah, that's when I started to notice, like, yeah. <laughs> okay, this is what they're doing. All right, but, but I loved that. I loved that because he wanted to build a better future for his daughter. That's lovely. That's why this ending is so tricky because, like, one, it is, like, you know, people are saying, like, oh, this is falling into the, like, kill your gays trope. But also, like, logically, like, you gotta let the kid live and have a nice life with other kids in the world. That that was Jonathan Groff being a great fucking father. I think I think this is a movie. It's a celebration of, of gay couples. Yeah, and I and I and I listened to um, Shyamalan's interview on the Big Picture podcast. And he was saying that, you know, his biggest hang up with the book was that they didn't make a choice and the whole premise is they got to make a choice. And that's like, you know, that's like having Sophie's choice, but she doesn't make a choice. You know, you feel cheated if you don't get that choice. Yeah. So I think definitely the ending of this is much better than the book. Then I I think it's greatly more satisfying. Yeah. I'll say the ending was probably my favorite bit, just of how intense it got. I mean, let's let's back it up a little bit about the like the modern day conspiracy ness of the movie, like the fact that 
you know, uh, like this is tackling like big ideas about, you know, people who meet on message boards, yeah. not unlike, you know, QAnon mm-hmm. coming together because they there's they've seen they, they, they all believe they've had visions from God and they're, you know, conspiring to ruin a, a, a gay couple's family. But they swear they're not homophobes. Uh, but the, um, very, <laughs> I very, said a Ron no, Weasley. Straight up happens like Dave Bautista's like, we didn't know coming here that you would be a, a one sex couple. Yeah. Uh, but the, uh, Dave Bautista's but, character is one of my favorite characters. He's ever. really good in this movie. Dave Bautista's this movie has confirmed that Dave Bautista is my favorite contemporary actor. That may be a, hmm. a large claim, but there's no actor I'd rather work with than Dave Bautista as a director. I think this is probably like the closest to like a leading role he's had yet that where he really gets his time to shine. Oh yeah, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I would call this like the Dave Batista vehicle because I feel like M. Night is still kind of more the the driving force of the movie oh, yeah. than like Batista as a movie star and I don't I, but then again I don't think he wants to be a movie star like The Rock I think like he said he just wants to be a really good actor yeah man yeah so that that I that I respect a lot so I, but at the same time like I'm still waiting for that amazing Dave Bautista performance where like he's the center of attention yeah like it's just him you know well I got good news for you Ross what he's got eight movies coming up and he's supporting (laughs) characters in all of them right no no that's one where he's the lead character man what what movie he's he's got a new movie coming out called Cooler and in this movie he plays a South Beach bouncer who's on the brink of finding redemption and getting his family back. But when a drug-filled safe is stolen from the club he works at, he's blackmailed into finding it before the narcotics uh, bureau uh, come to retrieve it on Sunday Ooh. night. That, that sounds cool. That sounds really yeah. fucking cool. I think he's going to do a really good job, and I'm really excited about it. Who's directing it? Uh, let's see, let's see. This guy named Drew Pierce, who directed Hotel Artemis. Cool. All right. I mean, this guy. I mean, Batista's like a hard actor to cast for stuff because, he's so like, big. he's a big guy. Yeah. He's a big guy, but he's not like The Rock in that, like, Batista actually has like pathos, yes. and like he's not like a dumb meathead, and he's not like trying to be playing it up to the camera, being a, a super charismatic he's guy. He's easily you know? the best actor that came from the WWE. I don't think there's a contest for that. There's not even a contest. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. And it's like, he's come a long way since Drax. I'm happy for he, him. I, like, he is, like, my on the dog. He, he is the stray dog in Hollywood right now. <laughs> and I love him for it. For sure. Also, like, let's, let's uh, highlight some of the other performances. Oh, yeah. Um, the, the, who's the girl that plays when? Uh, Kristen Q. She's great. She's a really good child performance. I think... And then also... Speaking of child performances, uh, Ron Weasley's all grown up. Oh, God. <laughs> and he's a homophobe. <laughs> he's a homophobe of the whole thing. He's, like, really fucking good in this. What's his name? Like, Rupert Grant or something? Yeah, Rupert uh, Grant. Something like that, yeah. That's... Rupert Grant. He's really fucking good in this. <laughs> he, he's, he looks really fucked up. Anytime that he was on screen, I was like, he's about to cast a spell. <laughs> he's redneck, Ron Weasley. Uh, Ron had a really hard time after Hogwarts. He did a really good job, like, playing this, like, redneck with a really short oh, yeah. fuse. Like, that's so far away, 
from who Rupert Grint is as a person, you know, just like this British guy. And throughout this film, I feel like Shyamalan is really believing in his actor's abilities. Because we have Dave Bautista, a guy that everyone writes off as a meathead. We have uh, Rupert Grint, who everyone just sees as Ron Reasley. And we have Jonathan Groff, who everyone just sees as a theater kid. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. he was in Hamilton. He was in Frozen. I mean, he is kind of he, he is kind of typecasted in this. But I mean, but he he doesn't you know. break out into song. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like he he's given the. But I could totally imagine him doing that. He, he's given the opportunity to <laughs> after getting the concussion. <laughs> he's given the opportunity to flex his dramatic chops, and I feel like most directors yeah. wouldn't give him that chance. I think. Yeah, I mean, he is like, I mean, you know, I've seen, you know, I've seen Hamilton on Disney Plus. He goes. He can go hard. Oh, he goes hard. Performance wise, he, he, he like fucking with like just his face. He spits out of his mouth, man, when he's singing. Yeah, it's, it's really think, really cool. I think the performances just they were great across the board. I think for me, it was just the script that I had a problem with. Um, yeah, that's that's fair. I I mean, I think this is. I mean, like compared to like old, the acting in this is like really good. Oh yeah, uh, because like old, everyone's kind of like. It's kind of like that typical kind of way uh, M. Night Shyamalan characters talk, which is a little stilted and off, which I guess works in some context. But, you know, I, I didn't mind it. But a lot of people had a problem with it where, you know, in this, that's not happening at all. No, and they all sound like feels normal very, people. And... Everything feels very real and yeah. and th- therefore the stakes feel real. Yeah. Uh. Um, no, this was, this yeah. is a very grounded movie. So I'll say this. When they were like, you know, talking about oh, the end of the world and all that, because the trailer doesn't really tell you that, oh, this is actually going to happen. Um, because I kept yeah, reading I mean, it as like, oh, that was like, when they were talking about visions, I'm like, from the trailer, I remember seeing the tsunami. I was just like, okay, so that's a vision. Yeah. You know? Because yeah. for the most part, but I thought like, it was bullshit. And then all of a sudden, yeah. when they actually show that each thing is happening when Dave Batista starts reciting the exact words from that news reporter, I was like, oh, shit. This is actually this is happening. This yeah. is happening. That's like, yeah, basically, like, this movie's twist is that the crazy conspiracy theory religious-minded wackos are right. Like, mm-hmm. that's the twist, is that they're right, and that God is actually gonna cause the apocalypse to happen, and isn't that terrifying? And I've been saying for, uh, you know, since I've seen the movie, I've been saying over and over again since I've seen the movie, is that this movie works. This movie works best if you think of God as the villain of this movie. Uh, <laughs> I don't no, know because like about think that. about it. Because I no think about it. This is like mm. the worst thing to ever happen to this gay couple and their daughter, right? And it's like like what kind of you know like this guy this guy this this guy God in this movie. Uh, is is being kind of a dickhead. He's like he selected this couple to make these four people uh, come to uh, to 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 put this this decision but, on but them. But who says that it's and, God? And rest the entire. What was that? Who says that it's God? It could be Satan who's doing the this. movie. The movie. It could. The movie. It could be like satanic powers. It. it could. It could look. Sa- Satan doesn't do this stuff. Have you read the Old Testament? God does this shit all the time. I'm kind of thinking you could read it as God, but I just sort of see it as some kind of universe thing like it it feels like yeah the old testament definitely had god doing some crazy ass shit but at the same time 
it's almost like that thing where the planets align or there was just there's something about the earth that it's just everything's hitting the fan you know it's just natural disasters uh, after natural no. disaster I, I i disagree i i i think this movie wants you to believe that at least in the universe of this movie god exists and he's a and homophobe he's, uh, <laughs> he's a homophobe. <laughs> and he's a homophobe i don't know if that's intentional on Shyamalan's part but that's definitely what it, it does technically because like you know it has all the setup for it because you know the twist of the movie is that the the you know the the cult is right you know and and again like the actions that you know are happening in this movie line up with like the same type of god that would like you know tell abraham to uh sacrifice his son just for shits and giggles uh but not really uh or like cause a whole flood as a reset but force this one guy to build a whole ass boat it's a deeply (laughs) old testament story it definitely is yeah because like I, I was also kind of thinking about uh, um, the Lars von Trier film Breaking the Waves after this, and why I hate that movie so much more than everyone uh, <laughs> than this movie. Look, yeah, Ross. Like I, I haven't seen Breaking the Waves, but like you are like the only person I know who dislikes this movie. So it makes me really want to see it. It's terrible. I mean, to give you the the short version of it, it's another movie where. Uh, a character makes uh, a big sacrifice. In this movie, it's uh, a woman openly getting her body brutalized, and that somehow, uh, you know, magically, you know, helps her husband uh, survive uh, a health condition or something like that. Uh, I can't, I don't quite remember, but it, basically, the way the movie very, very goes really hard on framing that. Uh, the character's act of sacrifice at the end of getting brutalized and, and murdered at the end was an act of uh, mm-hmm. martyrism, and that's good. And that I think that's mm-hmm. really fucked up. But I, I feel like this movie works because the all the religious mumbo-jumbo is already from the get-go framed as antagonistic. Hmm. Like, Leonard, while he's a nice guy, he's, like, a nice guy in the same way that, mm. like, Thanos is, you know? <laughs> like, he's got his his yeah. his reasoning, but, you know, like, he's still the the bad guy. Like, no matter how much you're going to be like, hmm, he's got a point, he's still the bad guy. He's still the antagonist, right? But to, to that degree, with the comparison to Thanos, I think that's, that's an appropriate uh, comparison, but nevertheless... Mm. It's it's a stupid it's a it's a stupid oh, yeah. tongue in cheek comparison, but like my, my 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 point is is that like the religious aspect of the movie is already from the get go, like marked as the antagonist mm-hmm. force, and therefore when it's basically revealed with that lightning strike in the sky after Leonard kills himself, that God fucking exists, and now planes are falling yeah. out of the sky, <laughs> like you know like. That that's like okay. God is the villain of this movie because he's forcing this gay couple to 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 kill each other for for the whole world to keep going. It's interesting because like I think my initial defense to you saying that God was the bad guy is because from my spiritual background, like God is like this eternal source of love and comfort who's there to give you strength and fortification. But Ross, as as someone who is of the Jewish denomination, and also an atheist, <laughs> and also an atheist, I, I I think you're very comfortable to hop on a, a vengeful 
judgmental God yeah. who is fine with punishing mankind. Yeah, I mean, because so, I, yeah, I, I mean, I identify as a Jewish atheist. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, the version of God I grew up with is a very petty and vengeful God. And then, yeah. and, 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 and like, so, and also as the atheist part of me views that as just like mythology, right? So mm-hmm. the way I'm looking at this movie is like, oh, this is a very accurate depiction of the mythological character of of God from the Old Testament in a modern blockbuster movie. And I think that's really neat that oh, yeah. uh, it he pulled it off somehow. I don't think I've really seen that done, did, seen it done that way. Because like you think of like, like Bruce Almighty, for example, like the Morgan Freeman God. That's that's the New Testament God, right? Like, oh that's, yeah, he's he's the chill God. He's like, yeah, I'm I'm making you go in this arc because this canal is gonna split open and you guys are all gonna no drown, no so no, 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 you. no 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 that, that you're thinking of Evan Almighty. You're thinking of Evan yes. Almighty. Yes, that's the no, one. I'm Bruce Almighty of. is yeah. so much fucking better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I don't know about that with Evan Almighty. Steve Carell's drinking coffee with monkeys. You know that's like the most expensive comedy of all time. It is. Evan Almighty is the most expensive comedy of all time. I I couldn't I'll be buy sure. it. At least last I read, maybe something's beating it out. But just because of the sheer amount of animals that were needed yeah. for that movie, uh, and it was also a huge flop, uh, and not uh, not and also because it was so expensive, it the humor had to be more family oriented in order to make its money back. So it's yeah. it's not nearly as funny as uh, Bruce Almighty, which I have not seen Bruce Almighty. It has it has some more sex jokes to it. It's not like super raunchy, but it's a little more adult, you know. Yeah, and it's the, definitely like Bruce Almighty is definitely better. It's it's something that I actually laugh at. I didn't laugh at all with Evan Almighty. It was such a snooze fest for me. But anyway, yeah. Anyway, back to this. Show. Knock at the cabin is my my favorite. Uh, might be my favorite cinematic depiction of God in that he's a fucking asshole. <laughs> you see, like, I think I disagree with this film's depiction of God, but I think this depiction of God is very appropriate through an Old Testament outlook. This movie is perfectly framed within a, a judgmental event for God. What I'm curious about is what is what is M. Night's what is M. Night's religious background? Because isn't isn't he Christian? One second. I'm gonna let's take a pause. I'm gonna look this up. Mm-hmm. What? Because I, I, there is an element of spirituality to a lot of his films. Like Signs is very. There's a lot of like Christian stuff in Signs, isn't there? I haven't seen it, but from what I've heard. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Um, like, doesn't doesn't M Night himself play uh, like a, a preacher or something? No, he doesn't play a preacher. I'm not going to spoil who he plays. Or is that Mel Gibson's character? Mel Gibson plays a preacher. Oh, right. Um, M. Night Shyamalan does play a great fried chicken salesman, though. Yeah, it's uh, it's an air fryer salesman, right? An yeah. air fryer salesman. That was, funny that was fucking hysterical. That was great. <laughs> M. Night is such a wacky guy. Like, all of his mm. recent cameos have been getting wackier and wackier. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I love him. He's I just, like that. He's just a funny little dude. He's having fun. You know fun. what I really want M. Night Shyamalan to do for me? I would love for him to be a dog sitter. Like, like I would love for for me and my family to go on vacation mm. and for M. Night Shyamalan to walk my dogs while I'm away. Because I feel mm. like he would do a great job at taking care of my poochies. All right, guys. I uh, found... Does that, does that make sense, guys? 
Yeah. I found some uh, uh, sure. I found some Wikipedia information on M Night Shyamalan's religious background. Oh, because Wikipedia is trustworthy. Uh, I mean, you know, they use sources. Okay? Yeah, I know. I'm joking. It's yeah, good. It's, it's a good starting point. Okay. I'm joking. Shyamalan's parents immigrated to the United States when he was six years old. Uh, Shyamalan was raised in Penn Valley, Pennsylvania, and he was raised Hindu. He attended the private Roman Catholic grammar school of Warden Mercer Academy. Uh, followed by uh, Episcopal Academy, a private Episcopal school located at the time in, in uh, Marion Station, Pennsylvania. So already, like, right off the bat, he's, like, part Hindu, part Catholic, Episcopal, whatever, right? He's like uh, Pai Patel in Life of Pi. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he felt like an outsider and remembers that teachers would say that whoever was not baptized would go to hell. Uh, basically, yeah, no, it's like... You know, this guy's got, you know, experience with like, uh, you know, religious. Yes, yeah, no, but also yeah. like, because also there's a storyteller in him. He's he is into like the mythological aspect of it. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know how mu- I don't know what his personal like beliefs are, but I we can see from his work what his interests are. How he portrays religion through. A lot of his films is it's interesting. He's he's more fascinated with it than he actually is telling it. What I love about Shyamalan in that respect too is that he's not trying to supply an answer. And I feel like artists that try to supply answers are bad artists. I think artists created to raise questions. If you start trying to supply answers, then you're just proselytizing your beliefs. Yeah. And Shyamalan is a good enough storyteller to not do that. And I think, uh, like for me personally, like I was saying, like, wow, this is a fucked up story about what if God was real, you know? Where it's like, man, wouldn't that be fucked up? Whereas, like, I feel like, you know, if you're someone of, like, a, a, a more... Uh, severe background I read some things online about how like one person had experience where there was this one woman who was like uh, applauding and cheering whenever something bad happened to one of the gay guys and then and then and then and then then saying hymns during the credits (laughs) (laughs) wow (laughs) like that's so it's like this kind of movie is set up so that like depending on your beliefs you're gonna take away something totally different Ian you wanna weigh in yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for you guys to finish up. Okay. Um, so, kind of like Colin, you know, I, I believe in God, but I'm more of a neutral kind of side of things. And if I were to say this is God doing all this shit, I mean, it's not totally surprising. I mean, maybe the guy had a temper tantrum and wanted to get it over with. And, and to me, in the whole religious and more Old Testament aspect of it, sure, it's a great adaptation. But I don't know. To me, the movie was just fine. I I really enjoyed the ending the most. I agree definitely with Colin. Um, and I think regardless of the fact, it's like, yeah, of course, they're not going to kill a kid. Um <laughs> But at the same time, hey, you know what? It it definitely works. I I think the script was my big issue because you kind of see like that guy's gonna die, that guy's gonna. Die. And then the other thing that kind of 
it's just Dave Batista. I know he did he did a good job, but the way that he spoke and did everything, it's just how he's holding his hands through most of the movie. It's just kind of goofy to me. You think it's it like a little? You think he's like trying too hard to be taken seriously as an actor? It's not that. I think he just took the role too seriously. I think it was a matter of like, you know, obviously you can't just go through it, but I think because of oh, it's the end of the world. He's one of the four horsemen in the apocalypse. Um, it was something that I was like, could be a little more. Even though it was, I guess, restrained, or at least he was trying to make it seem that way, but it just seemed too silly to me. I, I just kind of felt like it was, it felt off. I think by the ending, I definitely had a different feeling with him that I think um, before he kills himself, there's, he feels like now he's acting normally. I don't know. There's just something about, like, even the other characters from everybody it just sort of seems like they're either too restrained or they're going too all out and i especially think with the chef woman um and i get it end of the world you really got to convince these people and you're going crazy yeah um she's really trying to show how nice she is it's so funny what i love about her character too is that she's totally the type of person who just stresses about everything you know what I mean? Like she, she's the type of person. So like, it's it's really funny that God gives this task. Yeah, it's a knack and a positive for me when it's something like that because I just felt like for the most part, I mean, it's visually beautiful. Uh, the score is great. The acting, you know, on and off for the most part, it's great. Um, just because I like how silly it can be. But at certain points, it gets annoying. And I think the standout was definitely the actress who played the kid. Um, I think she was really? definitely the best yeah. out of everybody. Because I felt like that's a kid. That's not like, oh, no, we're in trouble kind of thing. When she yeah. gives him the knife, I was like, well, this kid's fucking smart. All yeah. right. You know, good yeah. for her. Yeah. And then, um, you know, she's... She's just someone who I was just like, cool, all right. And then the the gay couple was was fun, you know. It was just sort of like, okay, we're in this situation. They're crazy people. But I gotta, I, I do want to mention that, like in the beginning of the mm-hmm. movie, I did have a little bit of trouble telling the two characters apart before one of them oh, that's was the one. Before <laughs> one of them was the one that got the concussion, they they mm-hmm. both felt kind of similar to me. Uh, mm-hmm. But, like, it, it took a little time to just, like, oh, okay, okay. So, like, Andrew's the one with the stubble, and he's a little more yeah. clinical and logical about things. Well, Eric is the one without the stubble, and he's he's more feely uh, about things. Yeah, okay, right brain, left brain. Yeah, yeah. left yeah. brain, right brain. Got it. Okay. It takes a, But at the beginning of the movie, it takes a little bit, because they're very similar-looking guys. <laughs> yeah. I, what Something we haven't discussed yet is the sort of cutaways that we sort of see more of um, the couple's past and it was weird how they just did a quick cut and then it's like oh no it was Ron Weasley who hit me over the head and then when you finally see it was I was just like okay then why didn't you play the whole thing there well I like (laughs) the well no because I I mean that kind of represents memory like you can't quite remember something in a crazy flash event like that but I actually I'm glad you mentioned the cutaways because I do want to mention like 
that I actually do like the way this movie is uh, edited on a structural level a lot uh, because um, like I because from the trailer I was expecting the movie to begin with them driving singing uh, you know I wanna put on my 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 mm. boogie shoes because that's how the trailer begins ba, ba. so I was I'm like glad they didn't open with I that. was really surprised to see the movie basically like after the conversation between Batista and the girl in the field it goes straight into the knock on the cabin mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah well hey that's the title yeah. of the movie it doesn't waste no time baby yeah let's yeah. go let's go like i like that it's cutting to uh it's revealing the backstory as it goes along which isn't like revolutionary but it's effective and i, I like that yeah they use it yeah. to get to the point of the movie quicker mm-hmm. and hook you in this movie has really clean editing. It is very clean. Ross, yeah. as, the, as the premier editor of our group, yeah. you would agree that the editing in this movie is, is pretty immaculate, right? I feel like um, it's hard to give opinions on editing because you don't, you're not supposed to notice good editing. <laughs> <laughs> and then you notice that it's editing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I feel like... At least on after one viewing of the movie, the only things I can really say is like I like how it's edited on a macro level, you know. Yeah, I think I can comment on this because I I saw it twice this weekend. Yeah, because I saw it once in digital, and then me and my friend were gonna go see another movie in, in the city, but the screening was closed, so I, we were just like, okay, what I, I can just watch Knock at the Cabin again, and I saw it again in Dolby. It looks so good in Dolby. It looks so mm. good. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I guess, yeah, that, that is good. I don't know. I feel like talking about editing is like dancing about buildings sometimes. You gotta learn how to do it though, baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, like it's easier to talk about editing when it's bad editing. Cause then I can say what yeah. you should, what they should have done, but oh. everything is very clean. The pacing works. Uh, you know, I, you know, the, the, you feel the tension. There's, there's no, there's never an awkward moment that feels unintentional. It works well edited i don't know so one other thing too um i just remembered from it is a lot of the death scenes of the movie for the most part like early on or even further down the line you know we don't really see the gore and as a gore hound i was sort of like okay i like this because they're not they're important characters obviously but i think it was intentional just because the couple and the kid, they're really like, whatever happens to them, we have to see. But everyone else is sort of just dialed back. It's like, okay, yeah, they're probably going to die. I mean, I think it's also like, there's the element of like, they're being forced to watch. And the mm-hmm. fact that we don't see it makes it be like, oh, what they're seeing must be really fucked up beyond our imaginations. Yeah. Um, but also like that, I think... I, okay, that's a good editing note. Is like the timing of cutting to the exterior shot and then like having different angles of the exterior shot, mm-hmm. different focal lengths really, um, really sells it as opposed to it just being an obvious way to keep the PG 13 rating. They really made it work dramatically, you know? Psh. Hey, future Ross here. I uh, just wanted to give a quick note. I was wrong. It's actually rated R. All right, back to the show. I mean, this no, no, movie is very Hitchcocky in a lot of facets. It, it really yeah. relies on a lot of suspense storytelling. I, I feel like if Alfie was still alive today, he would dig this movie, especially since he had a very uh, 
Old Testament view of God as this judgmental evil being in a way. So I feel like mm. Alfred Hitchcock would give this movie two thumbs up. Okay. <laughs> Is he Alfred Hitchcock or Roger Ebert? <laughs> uh, no, I, I can't do a British So, um, so Colin, if you're, if you're having a spiritual connection with Alfred Hitchcock's ghost, then uh, <laughs> I don't know how, how that is, but but yeah, I have like 50 minutes at this point. Real quick, before we get into ratings, I got a little story about this movie. Mm-hmm. Continue. Okay, so we follow the head of, uh, or like one of the assistant directors of the New Jersey Film Commission on Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I saw a post from him about how uh, M. Night's a uh, new movie, Knock at the Cabin, is being shot right now in uh, South Jersey in Burlington County. And I was like, whoa, holy shit, that's my that's my county, right? <laughs> and so yeah. I, I wish I could re- remember the exact name of the town, but, like, me and my mom did our research, and we went out to see if they were still shooting there. And I, I, we found the forest. We found the forest from the movie. That's uh, cool. Or, like, we, well, we, there were no trailers yet, but I was, like, pretty sure, mm-hmm. like, okay... The movie's called Knock at the Cabin. I know there's a cabinet, so it must be in a forest, right? Yeah. And we did some, like, hardcore research to figure out the exact property that was in. We found it. We went through the forest. Um, I don't think the cabin was there. I saw a cabin, but it was much too small to be the cabin. Uh, okay. So that, that, that cabin must have been built for the movie and then torn down. But um, I recognize I, I recognize the trees in the movie. They're like these really distinct, like skinny young trees. A lot of them. Oh yeah, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I believe this movie was shot at the uh, Pine Barrens in New no Jersey. Shit. Jersey Devil Land. That might that might have been it. Yes. Yeah. Pine Pine Barrens are, are infamous for being the, the these haunted woods. Yeah. So maybe Shyamalan wanted uh, to get. Since he is a spiritual guy, maybe he wanted to get some of those supernatural ghost yeah. powers to to affect his cast and crew. Or maybe it's because the, maybe it's because of those New Jersey tax incentives. Woo. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. yeah, because the, this movie is supposed to take place in Pennsylvania. Interestingly enough, it takes place in the part of South Jersey that's almost rural Pennsylvania. Like there's so, a bit of a crossover, you know. Should we classify Shyamalan as an honorary Jersey boy? Nah, he's a he's a Pennsylvania no, he's boy. A Philly, he's a Philly boy. He's Pennsylvania scum. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> not all of Pennsylvania is scum. Uh, so, questionable. Yeah. Questionable. Okay, okay. My sister lives in Pennsylvania. Let's go a little easy on Pennsylvania. Well, especially if your sister lives there. <laughs> she converted to Pennsylvanian. <laughs> She converted to Pennsylvania. Great. <laughs> um, anyway, do we want to give our uh, ratings Let's for Knock at the rating. Cabin? All right, I'm going to go last. You guys go first. Colin. Right, Colin, you first. Huh. Well, my dog and I solely believe that this movie, he's really passionate about it. He's having a good time. But, but I... <laughs> I, I think that this movie is a solid four and a half. Four and a half stars. Okay. Out of five? All right. Not a five. Not a five. Some things hold it back from a five, but it's it's only a four and a half star movie. I'd say it's a four out of five. Um, I'm not sure what, but there's some sort of je ne sais quoi that's holding it back as well. 
Yeah. Um, but I'm not gonna, you know, I'm, I'm not, I, it's not quite as good as Unbreakable. So like, mm-hmm. it's, so that's why I'm, you know, I rate it. I, I, I try to rate my movies on the, this, on a curve based on the director. So it's like, how do I rate this in relation to the other one? So it's not as good as Unbreakable, which I'd say is about a four and a half. So I would say this one's a four. All right. Um, so I'm going to give it a three out of five. Yeah, oh. it was, it was, yeah, bastard. it was, it was okay. Like it was just, okay. I, I like it, but I don't love it. And I think, again, my biggest drawback is the script. I, I feel like it just gets a little too predictable in certain points, but the ending's great. The acting's flip floppy for me. Um, but overall good. It's it, again, it's almost like a back and forth kind of thing for me, but yeah, I still say if you, if you like thrillers, suspense, horror, whatever, check it out. All right. Well, I guess that, uh, wraps up this episode, but first, uh, we gotta, um, finally reveal what my, uh, oh, non-theatrical yeah, recommendation Ooh, is for next mm. week. Is it a Dollman video, Ross? No, it's not. <laughs> that guy's canceled now. Uh, we're going to be talking about Run Lola Run from 1998. Cool. Directed by Tom Teichver. The, it's a German Teichful. movie. It's really high octane, cool. crazy, fast paced, MTV era movie. Ross, you don't seem like the type of guy who would recommend a European movie. I like European films. Do you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, the, 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 when I think of European cinema, I think I think of like a slower cinema. You know what I mean? No, and, I, and, I, and, I think I think European cinema is very um, is 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 as diverse as you know any other cinema. You know, like it's that's not true. All, there's a lot of there's a lot of countries in there. You know, yeah. it's it's not all it's not all Tarkovsky. You know, yeah. it's also, <laughs> you know, it's also fucking, uh, you know, Tom Teichver. Uh, so I'm that, excited about this pick. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I've never seen it before. It's been on my list for a long time. Yep, it's never. You've never seen it before. <laughs> never. Never. All right. <laughs> never. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, tune in next week for our conversation about uh, Run Lola Run. Thank you very much for listening tonight, folks. We would like you to know that we appreciate you listening. And also, we would like to get feedback from you guys. You know what I mean? We would like to know that we're not just screaming into the void. So if if you're listening to this on YouTube... Please leave something in the comment section, man. Yeah, or give us a re- give us a review on Apple Podcasts as well. Exactly, um, and we, we, we uh, want and, to you know, know what you have to say. And also, we just even if you don't have anything to say about us personally, we want to hear your thoughts on Knock at the Cabin as well. Exactly, we yeah. would like to to know what you think about the movie. Yeah, like, argue with us. Argue with us. Debate us. <laughs> Argue with me because I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell uh, Ian how wrong he is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you guys have a great day. All right. So long, listener. Take Bye. care, listener. Bye. Have a good one. Bye.